So we are uh, continuing in part six of this series called Joyful, a series that is based on the book of Philippians, a personal letter that was written by Paul in prison in Rome to the Christians in a city called Philippi. And this is, um, this is a, a joy-filled book. There's a lot of encouragement and a lot of uh, cheerful words in it. And over these last couple of weeks, we have, um, we've looked at various topics that revolve around this theme of joy. So, for example, we talked about how to find joy in other people, including those people that drive you nuts, right? Those people that irritate you. You can find joy in those people. And we looked at how to conquer conflict so you can experience the joy of a reconciled relationship. Just last week, we looked at how to maintain that level of joy throughout your life as a Christ follower, how to keep your joy full, and how that can happen based not on your performance or accomplishments or achievements, but on what God has done by God's grace alone through faith in Christ alone. Today, as we continue on, we're going to look at Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. And if you have a Bible or your phone app, you want to pull it up. If for those of you who are watching from home, you can do the same thing. Uh, but today, we're going to look at how to experience joy in such a way that is going to reduce the level of stress and worry that you experience in your life. So this will be a great topic to talk about today. And as Paul starts off in this short passage of Philippians 4, in verse 4, he, just, he continues with this theme of joy. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And those are wonderful words, aren't they? Those are such amazing words. But how realistic is it to be able to rejoice always? Always? Is that something that people can do? Unfortunately, I think you know as well as I do, there are a lot of people who um, they are, because they feel pressured and stressed and worried in life, have very little joy in their life. Uh, especially considering the way this year <laughs> has turned out, right? I mean, this year is just now half over, folks. Oh my goodness. And I know there are a lot of people who are like, boy, I wish this, were, this year were over and done. I went online and I found some, some interesting memes of 2020. And maybe you've seen these. These are kind of fuzzy images, so I apologize. But um, oh, these, I think, describe the attitude, the general attitude of this year, 2020, so far. Here's one of them. If 2020 was a swing set... <laughs> Two swings right up there against the brick wall. Yep, that's it. Yep, perfect description. How about this one? If 2020 was a bag of potato chips flavored orange juice and toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, yuck, right? <laughs> Holy smokes. So, yeah, but that's the feeling I think people have about this year. Let's just, oh, yuck. And people are stressed out and they are worried. They're worried about, you know, health and safety. They're worried, right, rightfully so, about racial inequality and the injustices that we have seen and, and dealt with. And there are people who are worried and stressed out about uh, jobs and the economy. On and on. People are stressed out. The good news is that Paul provides us with some strategies that I think will help us reduce the stress in our lives, reduce the stress level, the things that, we get, that get us all worried and wigged out. And, and, and so these are three strategies that, that you can take and apply immediately 
and, and help you manage your worries. Three strategies that will allow you, I believe, to experience the joy of reduced stress. And the first strategy that Paul would offer would be to simply understand that nothing is worthy of your worry. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing is worthy of your worry. Or as Paul says in verse, the first part of verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Just don't. Why? Because worry just stresses you out and it sucks the joy right out of your life. Just last July, July of 2019, Psychology Today declared that a whopping 91% of your worries, 91% are false alarms. Right? You know, worry is worthless. It is, it is a waste of your energy. It cannot accomplish anything. So Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Just don't. Nothing is worthy of your worry. Now, that's a lot easier said than done, right? If you're like me, you, you worry about stuff. So Paul would offer up this first practical insight. And the first practical insight is live one day at a time. Live one day at a time. Paul, can, he, he is living with joy. Even though he's in prison... Even though he is, um, he, he's, he could be executed any moment of any day, he is living one day at a time. And he's able, because he's living one day at a time, he's able to be filled with joy. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble, enough trouble of its own. What's Jesus saying? Live one day at a time. However, once you understand that, okay, once you have that now, that, that first strategy hammered out, that you, know, you live one day at a time, or I'm sorry, that nothing is worthy of your worship, worthy of your worry, the second strategy would be to believe that everything is worthy of your prayer. While nothing is worthy of your worry, everything is worthy of your prayer. Everything. And Paul picks this up in the next verse, in um, verse, the second half of verse 6, Paul says this, In everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul's reminding us that we need a better way to deal with the worry that we wrestle with other than just telling ourselves not to worry. Okay? It's not enough. We need a weapon. And the weapon that, that can attack worry and stress that Paul provides us with is prayer, right? Paul says pray, and he says, what should you pray about? Everything. He tells you how, by prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving. So in that verse, Paul, Paul gives us three very different but common elements of prayer that we should be using throughout our, our lives in and out of any given day. The first element, very common element, is just the element of adoration. This is where you pray a prayer of praise and where you adore God. And while that may seem obvious, honestly, when was the last time that you actually did that? When was the last time? And you, certainly you pray about your problems and your needs, but when was the last time you said, God, you are an amazing God. You are so great. You are so awesome. See, it just doesn't happen as naturally or maybe as normally as maybe those other prayers are, 
And, and I wrestle with that too. But I would recommend that you would take time to pray and include adoration in that. To help you, one of the things I use, are, I just go through the Psalms. And if I find a psalm that, you know, is, uh, that lifts God up in praise, uh, I, I mark it so I, that I can go back to it. Psalm 36, for example, uh, talks about God's love that is as vast as the heavens. What a great picture, right? So, so that maybe that's something you can, you can try as well. But that's one element of prayer. Second element, probably the most common element of prayer, is the element called supplication. Supplication is when you talk to God about what it is that, whatever is on your heart, your needs. And I know that some people have a problem with that because they think that means that they're being selfish. They're always going to God and saying, I need this and I need this and I need this and I need this. And, and, and so they feel like they shouldn't do that. But that's not true. Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. He teaches us that you should bring to God your, your daily needs. He says, give us this day our daily bread. That's daily needs. So do that, because not only does it remind you that God is the giver of all those needs for you in your life, but it also reminds you that, it, that you didn't. <laughs> so it protects against pride. All right, the third element is the element of appreciation. And this is where you say thank you to God. Again, this is one of those no-brainers, right? Of course you should say thank you to God. But this is where you thank God for who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. And this is an important part of prayer, because when you are able to thank God like that, it focuses your mind more on him on a deeper level. So those are three very common elements, adoration, supplication, and appreciation. And, and even though the, the tendency is for us to, to be kind of weigh our prayers, our prayers are usually weighed more heavily with the supplication element, I would challenge you to also add the adoration and the appreciation part too. Adoration, where you praise God for who he is, and, and appreciation, where you thank him for what he's done. And you can incorporate all three into one prayer. You can say, God, you are such an amazing and great God, uh, but I have this, that's adoration, but I've got this problem and I need your help. There's supplication. Thank you, Lord God, for helping me in the past. Thank you for helping me with this problem too. There you go. Appreciation. See, they don't have to be long and complicated prayers. Keep it simple, keep it relational, and just remember, you are speaking to the one who loves you the most. So, a second insight that Paul would offer, a second insight uh, that I think you can glean from this passage, is, is this. There's no problem that's too big for God's power or too small for God's concern. God loves you, God cares about you, God's power is bigger than anything that might have you stressed out. And here's the neat thing, okay, this is, if you've listened to nothing else, listen to this. Okay, when you bring whatever's got you stressed out and worried and pressured to God in prayer, here is the result. Look at this, in verse, uh, verse 7, Paul says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart. That's a powerful word. Paul is being guarded by a Roman soldier 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Paul says, your heart, your mind will be guarded spiritually by God's peace. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you bring your stresses to God, he will guard your heart with his peace. What an amazing deal. So strategy number one, Nothing is worthy of your worry. Strategy number two, everything 
is worthy of your prayer. And now strategy three, which is really kind of simple, but think about the right things. If you don't want to get stressed out and worried and, and pressured, stop thinking about those things. And we already talked about you need to be careful there. But what you do think about is important. So, so Paul spells out then for us what we should think about. Instead of thinking about those things that have got us all pressured and worried, think about these things. So here it is, verse 8. Paul has this long list. It says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There you go. Paul says, think about those things. Don't think about what's got you pressured. Don't think about what's got you all worried and worked up and wigged out. Think about those things. Those are eight Christ-like virtues that can help you reduce the level of stress in your life. And let me just kind of work through these because they aren't maybe as obvious as you might think. For example, Paul says, think about whatever is true. Now, in this case, it refers to what it, it, this word true here means, it means true as to fact. So what is, it some, what is it that you can count on that is true as to fact? Certainly God's word, right? That's what you were going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's God's word, the unchanging truths of God's word that apply to every situation, every Every age, every culture, everywhere. Beyond that, what else is something that you know is true as to fact? Uh, I think in addition to that, you could certainly include God's love for you in Jesus. Yeah. God's power at work in you. Yeah. Forgiveness that is available to you through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you. Uh Uh-huh. The security and hope of eternal life in heaven. Absolutely. See, the point is, when you think about those things, in this case, whatever is true, true as to fact, what are you not thinking about? Whatever has got you stressed out. See how this works? What about the next word? He says, think about whatever is noble. All right, well, in this case, the word noble refers to that which lifts up your eyes and that which inspires reverence and awe. When you see value in somebody else because you see God at work in them, Okay, and in that moment, when you see value in that person, those are noble thoughts. But you can do the same thing when it comes to uh, God's creation. You can stand in awe of the beauty of nature, you know, the, the different colors and the intricate details and just the diversity of God's creation. It's amazing. Just last Thursday, I was on a small lake fishing, and I was catching I was catching. This was amazing. It was a great night. The fish were hungry. They were biting. The fish were biting. The sun was setting. Saw a little mama duck and a little baby duckling swim by. It was just so amazing. And, and I just, I thanked God for that, for all that he had made. What was I not thinking about? Certainly nothing that would stress me out. I was, it was wonderful. See, think about what's noble. It reduces the level of stress. The third thing that Paul talks about is think about whatever is right. And in this case, it's not the opposite of you being right and I'm being wrong in an argument. But rather, it means doing things God's way and rejoicing in in God's way because it's the best way. It's rejoicing in the fact that even though everything may not be right in your life, God's got a plan that is right for you and a future that is right for you. Think about whatever is right. And then Paul goes on, and, he's, and number four thing that he talks about is think about whatever is pure. And this refers to something that is so clean it can be brought into God's presence and, and be used for his service. 
And for all of you sitting here, for all of you watching at home, that's you. It's you. You have been made pure by the blood of Christ. And, and I know it's easy to think, oh, no, no, I, 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 I can't, not me. I, I can't call myself pure. What if I sin again? Then I'm not pure anymore. And that's like saying, well, I can't take a, I, I can't take a shower because I might get dirty again. Okay, no, you need to take a shower. So just for the record on that. The, the truth is that Jesus, Jesus has purified you through his sacrifice on the cross. The truth is you are forgiven and saved when you, by the Spirit's power, believe in God's grace and trust in that grace and love. The truth is you do need to go to him again and again because you will sin again and again. And you go to him in humble confession and, and repentance, and then you receive his cleansing. His, you are purified again. And it is important that you do that. Because if you don't, your attitude will get sour and it'll start to stink. Kind of like your body if you don't take a shower. So you know, showers are good, right? And so is confessing your sin. But once more, when you think about whatever is pure, it lowers the stress in your life, doesn't it? Fifth thing that Paul talks about is whatever is lovely. Think about whatever is lovely. In this case, we're not talking about pretty, like, oh, what a lovely flower. We're talking about what it is that motivates love in your heart. For those of you who are married, you know, back in the day when we had wedding albums, photo albums, you know, you can maybe pull, th pull that out and you're flipping through it and you can be reminded of the love, what made you want to marry your spouse, the love that you had, and, and, you know, all those years ago. But it can also, as you look at those albums, uh, those, uh, those photos, it can remind you of the love you have for your spouse today, too. It motivates love. Maybe it's God's unfailing love for you in Jesus. You know, whatever it is, when you think about whatever is lovely, it helps you reduce the level of stress in your life because you're not thinking about those things. Number six, think about whatever is admirable. Uh, one meaning for this word would be things that are fit for God to hear. What have you heard today that is admirable, that is fit for God to hear? Maybe some songs of praise, maybe that passage of scripture. Maybe us speaking together, the creed that we spoke, right? Maybe it could be a word of encouragement. Uh, it could be a word of love that you speak to somebody else. It could be a prayer of comfort. What's really interesting is, is how when you look at people and you see the admirable qualities in them, you're really thinking about what's best in them, aren't you? And so in that moment, you see maybe their faith or their love for other people or the hope that they have. And, you, and that's admirable. Or, or maybe you admire their more secular qualities. They have a strong work ethic, or they just are really good around people. But again, the point is when you look and listen for things that are admirable, it takes your eyes off of what you are stressed out about, and it lowers that level for you. Number seven, Paul talks about, think about, uh, he tells you to think about whatever's excellent. <clears throat> uh, it, maybe it's a quality, maybe it's a, a physical uh, attribute that you see in a person, maybe it's a creativity that you see in a movie, maybe it's uh, a sacrifice that a leader gives for the rest of the team, um, maybe it's uh, an amazing talent that you see in a person. Instead of looking at all the things that are bad and all the people that have failed you, think about whatever's excellent. And then finally, Paul talks about thinking about whatever is praiseworthy, whatever calls down God's approval, whatever good God is doing in your life or in the life of somebody else, or even in this nation, right? We're celebrating our independence this weekend. Think about whatever is praiseworthy. And to that, Paul would add then this third insight. 
And the third insight would be whatever you think about is what you will become. So what does that mean? It means that if you don't want to be a worry wart, if you don't want to get stressed out and live with that stress, and if you don't want to feel pressure, ask God to change what you're thinking about, to help you change your thoughts. Because your mind is like a radio. There's all these frequencies that are out there every day throughout the day, and, and so you have all these frequencies. There are these selfish thoughts, these unpure thoughts, these lustful thoughts, but at the same time there are these pure thoughts, these kind thoughts, these helpful thoughts. They're all out there. And you need God's help to choose the right station, if you will, to be careful what you are thinking about. So Paul, in verse uh, 9, suggests this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard in me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Be careful what you think about. And to help you ask God to pick the right station, to think about the right things. And there's the, pro the promise, we remember that promise, the God of peace will be with you. God of peace will be with you. Pretty awesome promise. So what's got you stressed out? What's got you stressed out? Is it finances? Is it the um, economy? Is it your health or the health of a loved one? Is it your job situation or lack of therein? Is it your marriage, your kids? What is it that raises the stress level in your life? Today, Paul shares, I think, some incredible insights that can help you to reduce that level of stress. And my prayer is that you will take to heart what we've learned and put it into practice so that you can, by God's strength and power, experience the joy of reduced stress in your life. So let me just close with a couple of action steps for you. Say some homework for you today, uh, for this week. First, look each day throughout the day for reasons to rejoice. Look each day throughout the day for reasons to rejoice. There are hundreds. So instead of just thinking and looking at all the things that make the glass half empty, start looking for things that make the glass half full. Start seeing it that way and rejoice in those. Second, Connect with God and use all three of those elements in your prayer life. This week, I want to challenge you to use all three elements of adoration, supplication, appreciation. And then the third thing, third thing is to follow God's lead and memorize Philippians 4, verse 8. Yeah, that long list of eight Christ-like virtues. Oh, yeah, but that's why you need to memorize it. And here's why, because next time an ugly thought or an unclean thought or, uh, you know, a, a stress-filled thought attacks, you've got, some, you've got some weapons that you can use that can change your mind, your thinking, and keep you from getting stressed out and worried, and instead experience the joy that God wants you to have in this life. So would you pray with me? Let's pray about this. Father in heaven, you are such an amazing God. Thank you for speaking to us again through your servant Paul and reminding us of the truth that nothing is worthy of our worry, but everything is worthy of our prayer. Help us to think about and stay focused on right things, things that will help reduce the stress in our life and bring honor to you. Thank you for this series, Lord. Thank you for blessing us through it. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, as Mark mentioned, we will be gathering the offering as part of our participation in the Lord's Supper. But um, for those of you here and for those of you watching at home, um, thank you in advance for continuing to support the ministry that we do here. Uh, in response to God's love for you in Christ, 
thank you for acting in, uh, in for for offering an act, as an act of love and worship uh, your gifts to help us continue to sustain the ministries that we do to the glory and praise.